1: Welcome everybody to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel. Welcome in Josh Norris to the Baseball America podcast family of uh, co-hosts. Josh, your first podcast. I will try very hard to be gentle. Uh, You're in Surprise, Arizona. Now this is your first spring training for us, but uh, you went to spring training several years covering the uh, Yankees double A team for the Trenton, New Jersey newspaper. So what's the difference, first of all, between uh, how big of a difference is spring training in Florida and covering one team and spring training in Arizona trying to hit up many, many teams?
0: It's really just the scheduling and the weather. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. You go in every morning. You try to get what you can of the lineups and rosters and daily reports and try to prove your media and not a fan. (laughs) And when you do do that successfully, uh, you're in and you bounce back and forth trying to get you know priority guys
1: it feels like it feels like according to jj jj just returned from florida i feel like this is the first spring where we have actually noticed uh a negative there there are actual benefits to having to, to being in the bbwaa that we really probably should try to actually pursue because when you're in the bbwaa you go wherever you want to go credential wise whereas if you're not yeah, uh, there are some places, even on backfields, where, like you said, you have to prove that you're not a fan.
0: Oh no! Yesterday at Indians camp, I got shut out of Indians camp because not only did I need a credential, apparently, uh, but I needed twenty four hours notice for the backfields.
1: Yeah, you need to, to tell me that next time. That's what I'm for. Uh, that's what the editor in chief is for. So I can I can get I can get you that. So <laughs> uh, I let, let me know there next until time. I was
0: there. What? I'll just watch Reds camp and then I'll go to Surprise again. So I did.
1: There you go. That, that works. That works for me. Plus, uh, not that many, not that there's a whole lot of guys you want to see uh, at Indians camp anyway. That's a that's a little dig there. Um, that's a little dig there at Indians camp. But uh, oh, first the first question now. Your first time in this is your first time in Arizona since the. Well, you went in the fall league. You were there right. for a week. What's your what's your what's your favorite uh, Arizona complex and why?
0: Uh. Well, the new Cubs Park is really good. Um, I liked, I especially like the little drawings of how the, the bears have evolved over the years as far as the Cub mascot has gone. Um, Salt River Field is really nice. The Cubs Park is really nice. The prize is really nice. They're all really nice. I mean, it's hard to pick a loser among the bunch. Uh, I, they're all, you know, obviously within about an hour of each other, so that's really nice, as opposed to Florida, which is, you know, you have to get a different hotel if you're going to different little hubs. But here, it's, just you know, an hour maybe.
1: Yeah, it's a big difference. It feels like it's a big difference. Well, let's talk about some of the players um, that you've seen. And uh, you know, as as usual, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, obviously you're listening to it after the fact. But you can always send us email podcast at baseballamerica is the email address. Uh, my Twitter is at John Manuel BA. Josh's is at Josh at Jay Norris four two seven. And I will not be asking you why the number four two seven is there. Um, now, part of the uh, reason that you and Ben Battler are also in Arizona um, with some of the international uh, aspects of the trip. Um, I, I thought you did a, a really neat story on kind of the showcase culture, I guess, of Latin American players and how much they're used to it. Just from your standpoint, Josh, of being somebody who, I mean, again, most of your experience was covering double-A baseball, and really you've seen a lot more amateur baseball since you've come to B.A., um, you know what, What's it like just watching a game, a showcase-type deal? Like How different is that from uh, maybe an amateur baseball with, uh, say, college baseball or just watching a double-A game? Just how, just how different is it from your standpoint of watching those guys kind of showcase?
0: I mean, it, I was just kind of blown away looking at these kids and knowing that they're 15 and 16 years old. And you can tell. They, they're veterans. They know the drill. When they get onto the 60-yard starting block, they turn. They show their numbers to the scouts. They go. When they go to th- th- throw to the outfield, they stand there. They turn. They show their numbers to the scouts, and they throw. It's old hat for them. They don't seem nervous, even though they're 15 years old. And my mind kind of, you know, touched the void a little bit, realizing that when I'm 15, when I was 15 years old, if I had been put in in front of you know 40, 50 guys who control my future, I would have been very, very nervous. And these kids. It doesn't matter. It's a business for them, and there's one singular goal, and if they don't make it, they don't really have backup plans with, with, a f- o- with only a few exceptions.
1: Right. Right, and that's pretty I, – I thought that stood out in your story, This how, just how uh, routine going through that process ha- has been for a lot of those guys. You also got to see Eloy Jimenez, who uh, was the highest, uh, you know, highest signing bonus of anyone in the international class last year. Um, you saw Jen Ho Sang with uh, uh, the Cubs, uh, Taiwanese right-hander who was entered the 2013 signing program, uh, signing period with a lot of hype. Then had a really bad World Baseball Classic. Kind of his stock seemed to dip a little bit, but uh, you know, obviously was good in spring training. Uh, what stood out to you about those two guys, uh, especially your look at Sing?
0: Well, Sang. I mean, I, I didn't really know much of what to expect except I really knew his name, and that was about it. And, you know, Ben told me, this is a guy to watch, this is a guy to watch. So I did. And, you know, 94 with ease all the time. Uh, the curveball was a real uh, a power pitch, probably. Uh, it's, a, it's a well above average pitch. And the changeup is okay. And the people scouts, you know, she told me there. There were a couple scouts that came up to Cubs guys and said, you know, you beat him on us. You you beat us on him, you oh. know. The, we we uh, we missed on this guy. We t- put too much stock into the World Baseball Classic stuff. Uh, so good on you, Cubs, you got another another arm. And, you know, Zestrisny threw that day, too, and there was a scout there who was just raving about him and said, you know, I'm going to write up a pro report on him tonight. This guy could be in the major leagues by this year. Just loving every bit of Rob Zestrisny.
1: Well, he's an interesting guy because uh, what stands out is you know, Zestrisny wasn't a consensus pick, you know, to go in the, third, in the second round. Uh, I believe we had a number 94 on our board uh, on the BA 500. He was not, uh, I, I don't want to use the word reach, but like I said, he wasn't a consensus pick there because he's not a big velo guy. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that he doesn't throw harder, that he can't, but that's not his M.O., but he, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, the, the reports on him have all been, it's a pretty physical guy who has a now fastball in terms of his ability to use a fastball. Throws it for strikes. You can see future command of the fastball. Um, has some angle to it, has some deception to it. He gets swings and misses with the fastball in the strike zone when he's going well. Is that what
0: you saw? Or is that what that scout saw? Well, I, I did see swings and misses, but, you know, it's a little hard to gauge swings and misses when you're facing 15-year-olds. But uh, the point that the scout made to me is he gets unreal extension on the fastball, which makes it play up. Yeah. So that's what he liked a lot, and every everything about him was – was really good. I saw him in in the fall league too, when they had a special intra-squad for Cubs brass. It was him versus Tyler Scalina, and he dominated that day too. So he did it against 15 year olds and he did it against Cubs prospects.
1: So your uh, your impression that, has been pretty positive of their their first. Those are the first two pitchers the Cubs drafted in 2013: uh, Zistryzny in the second round, Scalina in the fourth.
0: Correct. Um, and Jimenez. What really struck me is. He's a very very big man. Yeah. At 17. He's a large human being with very very good bat speed. He he does run a little funny, but he gets down the line. And you know, he was hitting lasers in BP. So, you know, there's there's a lot to like there, but you know, he's going to make his 2014 debut this year in the AZL. So, you know, there's there's a long way to go, obviously.
1: Right. I mean, you talked about him as a third baseman. It really just seems like he's going to be too big to be a third baseman. And I think that that's possible short term, oh, but he just sounds like he's a profile right fielder long term, right? Oh, yeah. He's gigantic. He's
0: definitely going to – unless he's outstanding with the glove, which I didn't really notice much defensively that he had to do while the 15-year-olds were striking out, um, he's probably going to be in the corner
1: um now the Cubs, obviously there's a there's an organization that uh you know has a lot of you know they're kind of they're in rebuild mode for sure and a lot of young talent on those backfields um the rockies and i mean you saw the Rockies i know you saw some minor league camp uh you also were at the uh big league game at salt river which salt river really is just a <laughs> that's just a it's a, it's, a, it's a mockery of a spring training complex because there's just nothing. Absolutely. There's nothing spring training about it. It's ridiculous. Actually, it's
0: a, that, that particular game was at Phoenix Muni. Ah, that's but, too bad for you. It's all river. Phoenix. No, pretty crazy. I like Phoenix. I like Phoenix Muni a lot. I'm sad that it's going away. But um, yeah, I did see John Gray that day. Well, Phoenix and, Muni's not
1: going away. It's just going to become the home of the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils. That's what it's becoming. Right, 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 right. So it's not going away. Right. It's, just, it's just not going to be a spring training complex anymore. Um, but right. yeah, so you, but you saw Jonathan Gray. You saw you saw big stuff. But you got he was getting turned around that game, correct?
0: Absolutely, he was. I mean, he was. He got up to ninety nine. He only had one strikeout in I think three innings or so, and it was it was straight enough where people were squaring it. it these are major league hit. Well, some of them are major league hitters, and they were squaring him pretty routinely. That was I don't know if I should say I'm concerned about it because there were parts of it where he was looking like he was working mostly on his slider anyway, but when he threw that fastball, guys like Chris Jim- uh, Jimenez were squaring him and Alden Carrithers squared him.
1: Yeah, those aren't really those are big league camp guys, and Chris Jimenez has been in the big leagues, but I don't believe Alden Crithers has been in the major leagues yet. So yeah, that, he that, has is not. Some, yeah. that is of some concern. I would agree, but at the same time, you know, um, how good was the the, the off speed stuff? I mean, was it pretty? Was it pretty? Did, did he, you know, did, how much of it did he throw, and uh, what was your impression of it?
0: If I remember correctly, he threw he threw a lot of sliders, and none of them really kind of blew my doors off. There was reason he's still working on them. It was it was fringy.
1: Right. Yeah, he's uh, and obviously it's his first spring training as well for Jonathan Gray. So even after all the accolades of last year, the tremendous college season, you know, it was about uh, really it was even earlier. It was late February last year where he really kind of he entered the year, I believe, 26 on our college top 100 prospect list and jumped up the two by our midseason update, and it was really for what he had done in late February, early March, where he really jumped up on uh, on everyone's draft list because he would uh, hit 100 miles an hour in front of a lot of heat out in uh, California. So it was about this time of year, but it's a different kind of schedule that he's preparing for. You know, he wasn't throwing heavily in January to get ready for the college season to start in mid-February. So just a different calendar that all these guys are on. That's one of the big adjustments, obviously, that all college pitchers have to make. Uh, we did have one question on Twitter. You said you've been to Reds camp. Um, I wasn't I, sure. If I,
0: didn't, I didn't see Michael Lorenzen. That was the
1: question. Uh, you, you've anticipated it. Um, I, I do. Uh, you know, I got to see him a little bit in the fall league uh, last year. I'll be fascinated if uh, so. At Fenway Star Cards is our Twitter handle for the question there. Um, who did you see? Uh, I think you saw Carlos Contreras in Reds camp. Anybody in Reds camp uh, stand out to you?
0: I mean, I was really only there for two innings for Carlos Contreras, and I knew that the other pitchers were nothing to get excited about. It wasn't Stevenson. So once I saw two innings of Contreras, I left, and I took some open sides of other guys, but Contreras was really good. He, he was 92-94, and the ball was cutting like nobody's business. I mean, the catcher was having trouble handling it. It was cutting so much. matter of fact, one guy next to me said, you know, this is Mariana Rivera stuff, and then next pitch he breaks a guy's bat it was it was really good. The curveball was in the it was a high 70s topped at 80. It was a pretty good offering. I didn't see him try to bury it, but he threw it a, twice where it dropped into the strike zone and they both took it looking for a called third. But the 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 movement on the fastball is really what stuck, stood out. He only walked one guy in and, and those two innings and those were on two of those pitches were close. Huh. So um and uh you
1: know like you said mean the Reds are or- uh you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of pitching depth there, so Carlos Contreras is one of the more important prospects it feels like uh, in the Reds organization um, uh you also talked to I brushed over the uh, Rockies I, I meant to go back to that um one of the guys that you talked to was David Dahl, and I thought David Dahl was a good point to talk about also on the podcast um just because he's a guy who you know entered the 2012 draft uh, with a lot of expectations. Um, was a little bit of a divisive guy in that year's draft just because he didn't have a huge spring, and actually his season ended in late April. His team wasn't great, so uh, they ended their playoffs in late April. So, you know, scouts didn't get to see as much of him in competition. They did get you know, a lot of workouts, basically the whole month of May, worked out for people, that kind of stuff. But then, of course, you know, had a great debut in the Pioneer League, and then really just a uh, about as lost a year as he could have had last year between a hamstring injury And a a team suspension for missing a flight, and all this kind of stuff. And there was rumors about other stuff. Um, When you talk to David Dahl, kind of what where's his mind at going into what really will be his debut season this year, as he finally gets to actually play in a full season.
0: He made it clear it's 2014 and not 2013 anymore. Right now, when I talked to him, the only thing he was really looking for was consistency, just getting those at bats back that he missed. He just wants to get on track, turn the page, and every other cliche you can think of, and have a good year, and you know put that stock back up where it needs to be. He'll be at Asheville again this year with guys like Ramel Tapia and uh, Ryan McMahon. So he'll have other guys, so he doesn't have to be the man on that team. But he's, like you say he's just looking for a positive start to his second year in pro ball. I mean,
1: what did he, you know, how much, did, uh, what did he attribute last year, you know, last year's just a f- complete failure to basically, what did, he, did, he, what did he, did he talk about it at all with you or did he, did he pretty much just try to cliche you into, I'm not here to talk about the past <laughs> kind of deal?
0: I, that was, that was pretty much it. Um, but I, I, I thought, you know, he was, he was more concerned about, you know, on the field stuff because of coming back from the actual injury, the once the hamstring, the, uh, Injury happened. That was kind of it. He spent the entire rest of the year rehabbing it. He said no surgery though, but he he was rehabbing that, and he's just anxious to go out there and get more abs.
1: I mean, uh, that's just a that that is such a strange story. You just don't have too many not too many prospect stories I can think of that are similar to that. You know, I really I don't know of too many that are similar to that. Um, Who else stood out to you in in Rocks Camp that you got to see? Uh
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name, but Johendi Yo- y- H- Himinian. Yeah,
1: you didn't butcher uh, his name. I think Yohendi Himinian's right about it. Yeah, he, he sounded like he was pretty good.
0: Yeah, he was really good. I, you know, I, we were watching that day. It was Blair, and I'm watching him throw 93, 95 with a nice little hammer.
1: Talk about and Aaron, Aaron Blair for the Diamondbacks, you mean, right?
0: Right. Okay. He was he was on the other side that day, and on the and the Rockies guy, I was like, all right, let's see what this Rocky guy does, and he's also blowing up 95. So there's another n- nice arm. He's, like, number 26, I want to say. Yeah,
1: 27. In the yeah. handbook.
0: 27 in the handbook. And he was, he was doing – he was more than holding his own against a much more hyped pitcher. Uh, if I remember correct, the changeup was really good, too.
1: But it's yeah, been a you, week. So. What you tweeted was that it was a you know, very good 74 to 78-mile-an-hour curveball, 84 to 87 yeah. change. You know, um, just for you know, our listeners, a little background on Johendi Haminian. Um, but, you know, he, he's a little bit older. Um, you know, 21 years old, turned 21 in, uh, in October last year. So I guess he pitched the year at 20 in the short season Northwest League. But uh, he still hasn't pitched full season ball, even though he signed back in 2010. Um, but this is a guy who, you know, uh, he had 14 wild pitches last year in 83 innings. Um, and it sounds like he's, it sounds like the, the raw arm uh, abil- and ability are there. He just hasn't uh, put things together in the way that his dis- delivery was described in the prospect handbook is raw a raw delivery um but the arm strength is like it's there and the some, some quickness uh quick hands to, to be able to spin that breaking ball um and your impression of aaron blair that, that's a, another guy he said a little bit more hyped uh the blair pitch project one of my favorite headlines that i wrote last year i think it was blair pitch project leaves las vegas for marshall or something like that so um not a not a very usual one. and his dad uh, as a as a Avid listener of Baseball America podcasts and emailer as well, um, but yeah, the whole story on Aaron Blair is pounds of the strike zone. Um, is, that, is that another lawnmower behind you there, Josh?
0: That was another lawnmower. Yes.
1: <laughs> Outstanding. It's a live Baseball America podcast, we're, we're, of course we're not we're, we're speaking live, but you're not listening live. Um, so you saw Dahl. You also saw Trevor's story. Uh, Max White, Ryan McMahon, Domingo Tapia, what was your impression just kind of, you've seen a lot of these camps, was that a better than average BP group, about average, Uh, that seems like a better than average BP group that you got to see in Colorado.
0: Yeah, Trevor's story was kind of interesting, especially in game, when he had a low pitch, there were points where when the pitch was low, he would get down on one knee, I, I remember one at bat where he ended kneeling, and I thought, there's no way this can work.
1: Adrian and, Beltre does
0: that, but that's about it. Yeah, you have to be real special, <laughs> and it, it didn't work for Trevor that day. Um, Ryan McMahon hit the ball pretty solidly, pretty consistently, and then homered in the game. Um, yeah, Max White made hard contact too. It was it was a nice little BP group. I was, you know, bouncing back and forth pretty constantly, trying to get all those guys at once. And Tapia, Tapia was, he's interesting. He he has a really broad base where he he puts his feet out real wide. And his swing is almost all upper body, so I don't, I don't know what to do with that. But he obviously has earned prospect status, so something must be working right. Well,
1: it's a heck of a frame. I mean, he looks the part, does he not, when he's standing in there, lean, wiry, athletic?
0: Yep, all those words apply. Uh, he's, he's definitely lean. He's, he's bordering on wiry. And, I, I, yeah, he looks very athletic. He's, he's definitely a guy you'd look at and say, yeah, this is, this is the kind of body you'd want. Well, on a baseball player.
1: Well, part of the uh, reason, a big part of the reason why you're out there, Josh, is that you're shooting a lot of video for us. So let's talk a little bit about that, because you know, I'm, I was just thinking, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing your video of Domingo Tapia shooting, uh, uh, doing BP, uh, taking taking batting practice. You know, you started shooting video, kind of just basically, you started integrating it into your coverage at the Trentonian. Kind of, what's yeah? You know, what's your take been on the evolution of baseball and video? Um, just see when did you start noticing scouts all using video when they were doing their pro scouting coming through Trenton?
0: I I remember doing the applying with the Blue Jays at one point to being a videographer, and they have they have videographers everywhere. There was one the other day at. At Duke for the UVA game, and his whole thing was he was never behind the plate with a radar gun. He was just bouncing back and forth, side to side, getting opens on everybody as many as he possibly could, and they have them everywhere. And you know, a guy I spoke to the other day I said, you know, it's it's a rare game where 15 or 30, 15 of the 30 clubs don't have a guy with a handy cam there, you know, taking video. It's the same idea at the amateur stuff too. There's always guys there. They'll they'll hold. Some of them have Velcro on the tops of their radar guns and on the bottom of their camera so they can clip the, the camera onto the radar gun. That's smart. I just heard both of this, both at the same time. Yeah, we should, we should think about that.
1: <laughs> well, you, that can, you can always, uh, imitation's a good form of flattery, so I'd say yeah. we should copy that.
0: And some will, and the, the MLB guys, the stuff the MLB uh, work rolls out are, are amazing, where they have the the big tripod and the camera and the radar gun all integrated into one. And it's kind of, so the, the radar gun will feed in the, you know, the, the, the speed of the pitch onto the display of the video. So it'll be pitch and then on the corner you'll see like 98 or whatever. I also saw one guy in the fall league who'd somehow worked a part of a a car jumper cable into a video holder. (laughs) the clip, clip to the back of a seat
1: so basically he was using the, the 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 clips is the was the key part that he was using. He wasn't jumping his camera.
0: He he well if he was he wasn't doing it right. <laughs> um, but but uh yeah there's everyone has video these days and I it, it's going that way like we saw with the um the the stuff they rolled out in MIT with the MIT they have all sorts of new ways to do video analytics now that measure how fast a guy runs, whether his route is efficient. Uh, speed to the ball, et cetera, et cetera, and it's it's getting to the point where you may as well just stick a homing chip in players, and that would work real well for off the field stuff too. But
1: it, 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 <laughs> sorry, going... I'm a little delayed and laughing at that, but that's good. <laughs> okay. I like the homing. I did, and I actually just watched Hunger Games this weekend. I'd never seen that movie, so there's a little. There's of course a, there's a chip. In, in, did, you, did you have you ever seen that movie? I have not. Have you read the, Have you read the books? i have not this is the theme that we will not revisit too much in this podcast but the the uh i mean, there's a there's a pop culture gap i'm not even that hip i'm a am a nerd and not even in like the cool nerd kind of way i'm a domestic dad nerd which is the worst kind of most boring kind of nerd there is but uh there's definitely a uh pop culture gap i think that that you that you have uh, you have a, you have expertise in certain areas but there's a the, I just watched that movie. They implant chips into the kids' arms before they send them out on their ridiculous quest to kill each other, so they don't go hungry. So for everyone else's entertainment. Um, so I don't think implanting chips has any positive connotations. And you know what? We don't even need to implant chips, Josh. We just give you a cell phone, and then we can track you pretty much. So, pretty much. That's pretty much how it works. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that's what that seems like. That's what's next. Uh, maybe that? Are you sure they didn't implant any chips in these IPL kids on the tour? Uh, Latin American kids touring Arizona—they may have been implanted.
0: And okay, hold on! Oh, oh. up <laughs> on a lawnmower.
1: <laughs> yeah, if, you, if there's another spot where you think you might get good reception, you can move away from the lawnmower on your phone there. That might be a good idea too. I've
0: moved, I've moved several times actually. <laughs> okay,
1: but uh, we got sidetracked here. I'm surprised that it took twenty some minutes for us to get sidetracked. But we got sidetracked. Um, uh, I wasn't even sure which direction to go into next. Well, one other thing I did want to so we asked you about the video part of it. and That's why we've you know finally really started integrating video into our coverage here at BaseballAmerica.com. Um, but the other part of this, and we and we also talked about the international stuff. I guess the other part of it really is just uh, you know just uh, take people through kind of uh, for people who haven't been to a backfield, just kind of like what that experience is like. You kind of glossed over it a little bit of the star because you, I think you assumed that people have maybe have gone to it, but. What's it like when you, um, you know, if you go to a minor league camp day? You were very excited about camp days. What's a camp day, and what is that? Why were you so excited about camp days?
0: Well, camp days are are um, are intra squad days where you'll you'll just have you know the Rangers. Let's say you take the Rangers. You'll have Hickory facing off against Myrtle Beach. So yesterday I was at Rangers camp and I got Akeem Bostic versus Cole Wiper. Right, nice. well so they were. I'm sorry, that wasn't a camp day yesterday. Either way, I did get Akeem Bostic and Cole Wiper. Uh, And the other day, uh, let's see, who did I get in camp? Who did I get in camp? Oh, it was Red's camp day. It was Contreras versus Org Guy. So that wasn't real exciting. But the point being, you get all the players there at once. You get all four levels, and you don't have to worry about, oh, if I'm yesterday with Rangers, I was watching Bostic, but over in Peoria, Alex Gonzalez was throwing. It was like, ah, I missed it. Uh, but that doesn't matter because he'll be in he'll probably be in Myrtle Beach for part of the year this year, and Myrtle Beach comes into Winston-Salem and in Carolina, so I wasn't real worried about missing him. But you get to see the lower-level guys, too. Like, I've overloaded on Jairo Barris and Jason Yurizari and Michael DeLeon and Jose Almonte over these last couple days. Um, the only thing that is, is different here, for whatever reason, is they don't seem to all start at the same time. The first day I wanted to do rockies camp day and then buzz up to somewhere else and it was at 11 o'clock which didn't make any sense because i could not get to where i wanted to go uh by the time that game would have ended if it had been at 10 o'clock like i was used to in florida that would have been perfect i would have been able to hit three games at once Ah,
1: uh, there you go there's there's so there's one big difference one hour of time difference between arizona yeah, and florida
0: I, <laughs> that hasn't been consistent but at least it was with the rockies
1: well um You mentioned the Rangers camp and Jairo Barris. I mean, clearly a guy who has been written up. He's gotten more pub than the average 17-year-old or whatever year old he is at BaseballAmerica.com. He was written about a lot more before he signed than the average uh, non-college or high school player here. Um, What was your impression on Jairo Barris? It seems like uh, your impression was he would see the ball and then he would hit the ball very hard.
0: He's good, man. He can hit the ball really hard when he when he's swinging right. It's short, it's quick, and it's really really pretty. And, and he did some stuff yesterday where he was he was down like either 2 or one two. He worked a walk. He's I don't want to say he's blowing my doors off, but he's getting there. Every time I see him, he manages to poke a ball hard somewhere, and he runs well too.
1: So he impressed you quite a bit. Um, yes. Anyone absolutely. else? Anyone else jump out to you at Rangers camp?
0: Uh let's see. Oh, who did I see the other day that you was See Travis really...
1: DeMerit, I
0: believe. I did. I did see Travis DeMerit. I got I got one swing of Travis DeMerit open side and he happened to hit a home run on the pitch. So, that worked out. Um he was really good. He wasn't much of a talker, but he's he's working at second base now. Um and he's, you know, he's he's working to get through that. Uh he's the shortstop in high school and he's been taking reps at second base since um since instructs and he said, you know, the hardest part is learning to read the ball off the bat. He's had help from all sorts of his, all his coaches out here and he's, you know, he had a little trouble, excuse me, adjusting to velocity, uh, at the pro level, which is why he struck out so much in the AZL debut. Uh, when he's a guy who comes from a, a background where he walked a lot. Yep. Um, uh, in either case, he's, he's, he's ready to have a, a much bigger year. He's having been spraying the ball all around in camp. And he looked real good. Uh, so he's gonna be to
1: make a full season debut. You expect to see him in Hickory this
0: year. Uh, it could be in Hickory. I, I think it might be in Hickory, unless something goes really wrong. It's gonna be in Hickory. Um, one thing I did notice that wasn't so much a, a on the field standpoint was yesterday. I noticed there's a golf cart buzzing around, and it was Ivan Rodriguez shuttling Jorge Alfaro back and forth to and fro to all the places, just kind of taking him under his wing, trying to develop him. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. You you hear all the time about players uh, or former players taking you know prospects under their wings. That's the first time I've actually seen it, and it was really cool to look at you know this legendary, Hall of Fame catcher sitting there with with uh, Jorge Alfaro, and just pointing out the finer points of the game to him. I gave him a business card, and we'll see if he calls me back for the story. But um, we'll. I, I thought that was really cool, regardless.
1: No, it is. That's that, that's pretty awesome, actually. Uh, it's a pretty neat deal for uh, for Jorge Alfaro. I mean, you know, who could go really? There's several ways that his career could go for uh, the Rangers. I mean, I think it's very conceivable for him to be a future All-Star catcher. It's very conceivable for him to be a future All-Star, say, right fielder. Uh, it's very It would be conceivable for him to have a Miguel Olivo kind of career, where he has. Tantalizing tools, but he's an inconsistent receiver. And he's kind of it seems like he's near the top of his league every year. In the, the last two years, and pass balls, uh, so much athleticism and so uh, you know tremendous throwing arm. There's a lot of raw power. The you know the pitchers I talked to who'd worked with him in the Arizona Fall League were pretty spoke pretty highly of him. Uh, so I'm kind of a believer in Alfaro, but I know that he has his doubters among the scouts we've talked to as well. Just because the edges are pretty rough. So, um, but that Rangers camp. Um, I have to imagine just uh, their philosophy and their approach to acquiring talent is such a high-ceiling, high-risk, high-reward approach. It has to be one of the more fun camps to go to.
0: Yes, it does, and that there's a reason I've been here three days in a row. <laughs> uh, I was going to get BP of these guys. I hadn't gotten their actual BPs yet for some reason. Uh, I was going to do that today, but instead of the camp day that they said they were going to have, they're just off. So I'll just get BPs to the Royals anyway. I've gotta, I still got to get Gasparini. I don't want to get Starling VP, et, et cetera, You know they've got a lot of fun guys too, Samir Duanez. yeah, guys that,
1: like that. that. That 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 camp is a, a pretty fascinating one. And I, you know it's been a long time since I've been to spring training, but it always seemed like the Mar you know, Mariners Padres camp down in Peoria kind of gets um, tucked away and isn't always uh, at the front of people's minds. But it sounds like you went to go see uh, both those clubs and came away impressed, at least with a you got to see some BP of uh, DJ Peterson. Um, you know Hunter Renfro, uh, longtime personal cheeseball, who now has been uh, show, you know now is known to the world since he became a first round pick. What was your uh, what was your take on those guys, uh, those two first college first round bats, Renfro and Peterson? Well,
0: DJ, I only got I only got BP of Peterson since he was playing with the Double A group, and then I watched the Low A groups. Um, but he, was, he had some really good bat speed, and he's obviously still a little concerned about the, the facial injury because he was wearing one of those helmets with the extended flap over his cheek. Right. Um, he looked really good in BP. I only got very little of Hunter Renfro. As a matter of fact, I got one swing of Hunter Renfro. Uh, he, t- he did one at bat, and then he ran to first, and I tried to get him again, and I either kept missing him or he didn't take another at bat. So I remember I'd t- been talking to Bill Mitchell, Previously, and he said he wasn't even running earlier in the week. So I was pretty happy that I got him, you know, running down to first, which I got him at four three eight down to first. If that matters. It
1: does. Um, I mean, he's a he's he's a big guy and he moves pretty well. I
0: mean, that's, yeah, not, that's not that's
1: not blazing, but that's not bad.
0: No, I was for a guy who hadn't been running earlier in camp. I thought that was pretty good. Um, so, like I said, I got that one swing of Renfro, which I guess is super valuable. Um, <laughs> sure. I got, I got a couple I got a couple swings from Franchi Cordero. That's a big dude, as a big dude who looks like a baseball player. A big very pretty swing. Oh, Although, his, name,
1: uh, his name is not that of a baseball player. The name Franchi is not a baseball player name.
0: No, but as I was saying to someone the other day, I really wish he were on the Yankees and he got to the big leagues so so John Sterling could say his home runs were either a French connection or a French kiss. <laughs> but but I digress.
1: You do, but yeah, you know, I do. Uh, I am very interested in um, in, in just uh, you know besides all the baseball, Josh. How have you been occupying yourself? How have you hit In and Out Burger out there, for example?
0: I have not actually hit In and Out. I've gone to Smash Burger and I've gone to Water but I have missed In and Out. Okay. What's your um,
1: impression? First of all, did you finish those burgers?
0: oh yeah i okay. made a pick myself yesterday i had, i hadn't had food for a while so i went to smash burger and got a barbecue bacon burger and a milkshake and then had to lay
1: down for a while so, so your smash <laughs> but, burger what's your smash burger quick review for this fast casual dining establishment
0: um i don't know why they call it smash burger but it's very good uh they have a lot of options that you can put on your burger. I I got cremini mushrooms and sautéed onions or something, and bacon, which, you know, tell Clint, I got bacon.
1: Well, it tells you you that our handcrafted burgers are smashed, seared, and seasoned to order. So that's why they call them Smash Burger, I suppose. So
0: see. Uh, I had a little restaurant on the first day that I don't know if anybody's heard of. It's called Burger King. uh, (laughs) 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 It's supposed to be royalty. Among the burger chain, I thought uh what a burger was really good too. Um it was you know it was m- much faster, more casual than Smashburger, somehow. Um they brought the napkins to your table for whatever reason. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh but I mean to give you a hint of how I've been occupying myself, I, I realized this morning that this whole time I haven't even turned on my TV. So <laughs> it's been videoing and labeling videos and Plotting the next day is how I'm going to get X, Y, and Z guy.
1: Well, you're keeping busy. That's outstanding. Have you made sure to enter the BA pool?
0: I have not. I, I went to do that this morning, and I didn't see a way to enter it. I saw a couple of entries on the little blogspot thing, but I didn't see yeah, upper, a bracket upper, or anything.
1: Upper right-hand corner, 2014 entry form, I believe is what it says. So, Make, uh, well then. Sure, make well, sure you do that. When do you, when do you return? Uh, when, when, do, when are you back in Durham?
0: Uh, Friday.
1: All right. Well, we're looking forward to having you back. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get you get you Friday. some national high school invitational video next week, obviously. And yes. uh, no, but it, it sounds like you're having a good spring. I will. I'll uh, sign off for you by asking you. I'll ask you one last question. Um, I know you have a been at Yankees camp. I know you're still following it, tied into that Yankee community. Do the Yankee top twenty prospect? I mean, top thirty prospects list for us. Uh, anything that you've read or seen from Yankee Spring Training that uh, caught your attention or that uh, made you raise an eyebrow?
0: Um, well, it's, I, I talked to uh, one of their, their guys the other day, and it sounds like their Charleston club, I mean, I th- already thought it was going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be even more interesting. From what I hear, their third baseman is going to be Miguel Andujar, a uh, 17- or 18-year-old kid who's just destroying... Who, just, who did really well at the GCL in his second turn, and their shortstop's going to be Abiatal Avellino, another guy in the GCL who did really well. It's going to be a really young left side of the infield, uh, and that that means Eric Jogailo is going to be at Tampa, which I'm surprised, but uh, you're not, because you win that bet.
1: See, I, <laughs> I just did not even remember that bet. <clears throat> I seriously I don't have, know. I'm not one to welch on a bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I knew, um, I, I knew that was... Uh... I knew there was something going on there, but uh, I really did not. I just did not. Uh, I don't remember. I knew we talked about it. I remember discussing it. I don't remember that being a bet. So I'll look forward to a, a, a Williams Kitchen Burger uh, from you upon your return. Um, okay. I, w- I won't hold you to that, but um, you should. Hmm. You should. I can't. <laughs> I, 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 I won't go. I, I won't go hungry if I forget. But uh, I, I do appreciate you mentioning it. But yeah, that. I mean, it really does seem like that's the has to be the story. Well, not has to be. Uh, that's one of the stories, obviously, to watch with the Yankees' farm system going forward. I mean, they, their year as a farm system can't be worse than last year, can it?
0: Well, it could, but it, it'd be hard to do. Um, and another guy that they mentioned was um, the guy that came up in Ben's DSL Top 20, Wagner Mateo. He's a shortstop with true 80 speed. Um, I think he stole 57 bags last year in the DSL, which is kind of absurd.
1: It and he's
0: got, he's got developing power. And you know, every time I talk to a Yankees official for their 30, that guy came up as a sleeper. And, you know, I, I bordered on putting him as my number 31 or 30 guy. But I thought, you know, he's in the DSL. That's really, really, really aggressive. Um, there's a guy named Simone De La Rosa who's hitting upper 90s. Uh, there's another guy named Manolo Reyes who's doing the same thing. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to look at at the bottom part of their system. Not so much at the top, but the bottom is very nice.
1: Well, Out of those full-season guys who struggled last year, and there were many of them, which one is your pick-to-click to bounce back this year? Would it be Ben Because of the Tommy John, would it be, uh, would it be Mason Williams, Tyler Austin? Uh, I know you like I mean, Ramon Flores. Would you pick one guy that you think is the most likely guy out of that group to become a major league regular? God, if, if
0: he'll ever get on the field, Slade Heathcott would be that guy. I, I can't recall him getting on the field for a game yet this spring, so I can't imagine he's not going to start anywhere but the DL. Um, Mason Williams is probably the guy, just because he's the most, most athletic, and his stuff last year was, a lot of it seemed like it was mental. I think once he gets his, his head correct, and I know he dealt with, I think, mono too, if he told me in the fall. Um that he has, he still has the tools to be an excellent everyday major leaguer. I don't know if that's in New York because they have this Ellsbury fellow and this Gardner fellow. Right. They've signed for a while, but if they get themselves uh, reacquainted with success, then they're excellent trade pieces.
1: Yeah, Mason Williams would be my pick as well, just because he has those survival skills. You know, he does run. He can. He can really defend. And I, think yeah, I that, mean, you know, I think he has the hand. Uh, the, you know, I think he has the hands and the hand eye. I think he. I think he should be able to be at least a solid offensive player. I don't know if he'll be a star level offensive player eventually, but he has the survive, the tools to, to survive in the minor leagues and help teams win while he figures out the bat part. So he's the guy that I'm the most confident. in. I, I don't have, I don't share your confidence in in Slade Heathcott. I, mean, I know you. are yeah, you have a, it's Levin with a very heavy dose of skepticism of his ability to stay healthy, I get it, but just very hard to find guys with his profile who've succeeded, you know, over the course of their careers, so. Sure. I, I have my doubts, but uh, good stuff, Josh. You, 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 we managed to steer clear of any craziness in your first podcast, and there were no nicknames. Your, your nickname was not used, and if you try to use it now, I'll edit it out, so, well done.
0: I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a professional.
1: Uh, I I I I I never doubt that about you. Uh and I, I so I'm not surprised, but I'm I'm somewhat I thought you would try to work in a third person reference here or there. So I'm glad well, you didn't
0: my do thing it. Has to do with person. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> It was a it was a smashing debut. I well done. So uh be safe out there on the roads. Uh, There're a lot of crazy people on the roads and look forward to getting you back in here and I I hope you've had a good time out there.
0: I have indeed, and I'm very sad to leave tomorrow, but it just makes me look forward to the Fall League.
1: Like you tweeted, 15 more days till Major League uh, games start, only a little bit after that for minor league games. We're going to unleash a lot of Josh Norris uh, during the minor league season, uh, for those of you who are listening here. But uh, you're going to see a lot of bylines, daily minor league coverage, a yeah. lot of video. Um, we only got a, a, a sneak peek at Josh during the season last year in, in August. And just uh, that peak got me very excited for what we're going to see this year. So really looking forward to what you're going to contribute to our coverage uh, in season in 2014 at Baseball America. So good stuff. Thanks for uh, taking time with me on the podcast today. And uh, welcome to the rotation. We're glad to have you. Thank you. All right. For Josh Norris, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time at BaseballAmerica.com. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew
0: identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich.